In the last few weeks, the world has watched horrified as Russia has launched an unrelenting attack on Ukraine. In the east of the country, hundreds of miles from here, rescue efforts are taking place to try to find survivors after a theatre was bombed in the besieged city of Mariupol. To the latest on the growing refugee crisis, according to the UN, more than three million people have fled Ukraine as Russian forces target civilians with relentless airstrikes. Victor Akindo. Western governments have rushed to put sanctions on Russia itself and global companies have withdrawn from the country in retaliation. Now, there's also been a renewed focus on where Russians have been parking cash in places like the UK and the US property markets. In the UK, for example, the government has said it's pushing legislation forward that would put a registry of overseas property ownership in place, and it will roll out a new unit targeting Russian assets that are hidden in the UK, all while moving to sanction individuals. Roman Abramovich has now been added to the UK sanctions list. Uh, the Russian oligarch and tycoon who's been in the UK for two decades has just put Chelsea Football Club up for sale, can now have his assets frozen. I'm Miriam Hall, and on this episode of BizNow Reports, we're hearing from Mark Hollingsworth, a writer and author who specialises in Russia and Russian oligarchs. His book is called London Grad, From Russia with Cash. He's speaking here about the impact of potential new rules on the property market, why it's taken a war to get changes in place, and where oligarchs may be looking to buy property next. The word oligarch is a, it's a Greek term, and it basically means uh, a wealthy individual who's um, accumulated his wealth by political influence and political manipulation. It's basically wealth via lobbying and acquiring very lucrative uh, state assets. But it's a sort of, it's a term of, of a wealthy individual who's accumulated his wealth by interaction uh, with the government, really, rather than a sort of uh, classic entrepreneur who's built up a business um, by himself uh, in, a, in a particular field. Is it, um, this might sound like a bit of a silly question, but if you're, if you're very rich and you're from Russia, are you definitely an oligarch? No, uh, you can be very rich. You can be a rich Russian, but you could have made that money legitimately, or you could have made it through uh, tech, big tech, or or whatever business you're involved in. And I think you have to be slightly careful in that. You know, not all all Russian billionaires are, are oligarchs or dirty or corrupt. You know, there are legitimate Russian businessmen, and so you have to be quite clear about. Uh, who you label as an oligarch. How do you figure out who is and who isn't? Yeah, I think it's, again, it's about their relationship with the Russian state, the relationship with Putin and the Kremlin, and in previous years, in the 1990s, when Yeltsin was president. I think that's, it's their interaction with the Russian state. Um, and in the 1990s, it was about very lucrative oil and gas and aluminium assets that were being sold off by the state into the private sector and how they accumulated that those assets very, very cheaply and in very controversial circumstances. And then after Putin became president, the oligarchs, it was more about um, state contracts uh, and receiving uh, lucrative contracts as long as they 
kept out of politics and had a, there was a sort of deal. And it's a more difficult thing to describe in terms of Putin's oligarchs. Uh, it's quite different from the 1990s oligarchs. It's a new generation. And so there's a deal, basically, if they keep out of politics, uh, then they're left alone, pretty much. And so Abramovich, for example, he's now been sanctioned. He, um, uh, you can trace his wealth back to 1995 when he, he acquired this very lucrative oil company or oil fields uh, for a fraction of their real value. And then he, his business partner was a man called Berezovsky, who was a major oligarch in the 1990s and also in the UK in the 2000s. Uh, but Berezovsky just uh, fell out with Putin and decided he could overthrow Putin from London and was completely deluded. Um, and then, but, but Abramovich was his business partner and Abramovich realized that the only way to protect your wealth, wealth and keep it safe was to have a working relationship with Putin, but move your money out of the country. Uh, and so obviously now, uh, most of his, a lot, well, all his UK assets have been frozen, which means that he no longer owns them and can't sell them. His properties, Chelsea Football Club and anything else he has here. But, you know, I'm pretty sure he's diversified his wealth and, and a lot of his money is in obscure offshore bank accounts and offshore trusts. And it's, it's all over the world. It won't be just in London. Why was London so attractive um, to these types of players? Well, it, for, for Russians and for certainly the Russian oligarchs, security is their most important aspect of their lives. Financial security, legal security, physical security. They like to feel safe. And they felt that London was a safe haven for their money. So they didn't actually physically move to London. Then they bought a lot of property uh, in London and also an area in, in Surrey. But that was really just to move the money out of Russia and keep it safe, park it in, in real estate in the UK. Uh, and they would pay over the odds for those properties. But it was really just to get the money out of Russia in case they were going to be prosecuted or sued in Russia, where, the, where there's no rule of law, where the, where the judiciary is very corrupt and arbitrary and politicized. So you have to move your money out and London was regarded as a safe place because um, if you're based in Russia or your assets are in Russia and the Russian authorities try and extradite you back to Russia for a criminal case or, or civil case, the judges in London will not extradite you back to Russia because they say there's no rule of law in London. I cannot extradite you back to Russia because you will not get a fair trial. So that was very attractive. And basically, the UK has been very laid back and um, uh, not, reg you know, they, they basically what they call the, the soft touch in terms of regulation. They don't investigate them. Uh, they basically left, have been left alone until recently. So you can hide your money here and park it um, and you can be left alone. Whereas in the United States, there'd be a lot more oversight. There'll be congressional in inquiries. There'll be prosecutors, special prosecutors. Uh, there's a lot more regulation in the United States. Ironically, the, you know, the land of the free actually has quite a lot of regulatory oversight into these sort of things. And so, and there's more in the United States, there's obviously more openness. You can track uh, ownership of real estate easier. There's more access to information. 
So they prefer the UK, which is more secretive and, and more laid back in terms of uh, oversight. And um, it's less, there's less uh, litigation than in the United States and, and there's less accountability. And the same in continental Europe, uh, where if they move their money to Switzerland or um, France or Italy, there'd be more over, again, more oversight. And that's what they don't want. So they found London as a real safe haven. That's a bit of a stain on the UK now, isn't it? Yeah. And so it is part of the British political culture, which is basically you have a problem, you don't really deal with it until it becomes very serious. And then you suddenly have to um, regulate and introduce legislation. I mean, I mean, my book was published 10 years ago and, and there's been endless articles and campaigns by NGOs and charities and campaigners about this problem. And now only because there's a war and we're at war with Putin that we're using these sanctions against the oligarchs as a weapon against Putin. But if it wasn't for the war, this, this situation would carry on. What do you think about the UK's um, steps now, their legislative steps to try and remove secrecy from property ownership. It's obviously what we've been campaigning for 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 many years, and it will. It's it basically it it will result in the end of London Grad, because the Russians are either the ones who've not been sanctioned are desperately moving their money out, selling as much as they can in case they get sanctioned. The ones who are sanctioned, it's too late because you know they're they're. A, properties and accounts have been frozen. But I think the new legislation, which basically means if you buy a property in London using a company as the registered owner, you're going to have to disclose the beneficial owner of that offshore company. And so that's what they don't want. And so they're going to move. I mean, I'd be, I mean, obviously any Russian oligarch is not now not going to move his money and assets into London. They're not set up in London. They're going to look somewhere else in the world where they can hide their money and uh, so I think these measures are, are very good and they're very what we've been campaigning for for many years. And finally, I think they will have a, quite a big impact. How does the legislation work? So you have to disclose who exactly is going to get the money if it's an offshore person. Uh, not quite. It, it's, it's, so let's say you're a Russian oligarch and you forget about, let's forget about the war, forget about sanctions, and you want to... They always want to have a London property just to put 25 million pounds, put it there, keep it safe. And also their family like to live here and then they'll buy a flat for their mistress and then they'll if the lifestyle and the schools, et cetera, et cetera. So if they buy a big house in, in central London and they, and they buy it in the name of a company either a UK shell company or offshore company registered in the British Virgin Islands or wherever, that goes on to what we have here called the UK Land Registry, which is a public document uh, for each address of every property. The new law is that if you buy a property in the name of a company, there's going to be a new registry which forces you to disclose the owner of that company. In other words, it forces you to disclose the beneficial owner of the property, if that makes sense. So is there a way that they're going to figure out to get around this? I mean, there is a problem with UK companies house in the sense that if you are a director or shareholder of a UK company, 
Um, there's very little oversight about the accuracy of those companies. So there have been cases of basically fake companies being set up or companies with virtually no information or accurate names. It's just a shell company to launder money. And uh, so the, the UK regulator for overseeing UK companies is, is massively underfunded and under-resourced. And so that's been an issue. And, but now I think they'll have to deal with that. And they're going to be looking at, well, I hope they'll be looking at, you know, only looking at properties worth more than five, 10 million, and then searching the ownership of those properties. And if you own a house worth more than, say, 10 million in London, and you, you own it via a company, you're going to have to disclose that you're the beneficial owner. And that's what they hate. And so I can't see any Russians, I mean, unless they feel very confident and they think they're clean and they're legit and there are legitimate Russian businessmen. They might still buy property here, but they'll have to do it in their own names. But I think the reality is the controversial Russian oligarchs uh, or anyone, the big money guys will stop, will not just basically will stop moving their assets here. They're going to look elsewhere. So it's a deterrent really yeah. yeah where else do you think they would go well my money is on dubai i think there'll be a lot of well i know there are a lot of russians and now even now as mm. we speak moving to dubai or moving their assets dubai buying property there setting up companies uh bank accounts and i would say dubai mm, the gulf you know where it's pretty loose in terms of oversight and accountability um, offshore locations that are not aligned to the British uh, jurisdiction or British authorities. Um, where else? Um, anywhere where it's kind of wild, wild west, where it's not very um, democratic, but safe. Uh, Switzerland, maybe, but probably not. You know, I mean, I think they, um, I'm just trying to think where else they would go. Uh, difficult obscure offshore locations, basically. But the role of the banks is going to be pretty crucial. The Russians who have not been sanctioned are probably selling, try desperate to sell now in case they get sanctioned, and they're going to take a hit. So you think that there's going to be a bunch of sales, even among just people who might not consider themselves oligarchs who are Russian, who even consider themselves clean, as you would say? Yeah, yeah, what I call minigarchs, basically, who are, who are just, who are not, who are probably in the sort of 100 million bracket. So they're not the super rich. Um, and I would say they're the ones that are going to be selling. They're just nervous about being sanctioned. What sorts of properties do they own? Is it like the typical London sort of townhouse or do they like, what do they like? A bit of both. They like either townhouse mansions in certain areas of London, Belgravia, Mayfair, Kensington, uh, Chelsea, um, and all and where, there's a, where there's lots of security uh, and they feel secure, or they will buy uh, apartments where there's a lot of security. There's a, there's a place in London called One Hyde Park, which is this huge contemporary style uh, apartment block, you know, and that's for them very important. Mm. 
So, you know, because they all have bodyguards and they're always thinking they're going to get kidnapped or served with legal papers. And so they will not buy any property where they feel the security is not good. Um, and that's the most important thing. The price is not that important. The location and security is the, is the uh, criteria. Do, do you think that people who have been connected to this sort of thing, arranging deals, should they be worried? I mean, are there? Yeah, I think uh, the real estate agents in London are probably be nervous about their reputation in terms of brokering deals uh, with the oligarchs. But they're also pretty shameless as well. And they don't, I'm not sure they really care that much. Can you put us into the mind of like the decisions that are facing these wealthy Russians now? It's like, do I, do I stay quiet, fly under the radar? Do I come out? Yeah, I mean, if you're in the United States or, or here and you're under pressure from the UK or US governments and you think you might be sanctioned, then you probably do need to come out publicly and, and say something against Putin to, to show that you're independent and not a Kremlin stooge. The problem with that is that if you come out against the war, you come out publicly, then uh, Putin and the, and, the, and the Russian state will then act against you and probably seize your assets in Russia. And so that is the dilemma. I mean, the big secret is somewhere in this world, there are one or two or three oligarchs who are managing Putin's private money, his private fortune. And there's lots of suspicions, but nobody knows who, who those oligarchs are. But if they've been sanctioned, then that might influence Putin, because obviously Putin's personal fortune you won't find any property in his name. You won't find any direct connection, even via a company. It's going to be managed by another oligarch. And so if they've, if they've got the right, I'm pretty sure they would have sanctioned the right oligarchs. Who the, and then Putin would have made note of that, the fact that his money is sanctioned. And that's my speculation. Where does he own, where is his property? What does he own? Where's his? <laughs> I wish I knew. Yeah, nobody knows. Is are but, there rumors about it? As uh, gossip, but no real hard facts. I mean, the best source of information is a book called um, Putin's People uh, by Catherine Belton, and that is by far the best source on the Putin oligarchs. Uh, my Did book is about Yeltsin. Didn't she get sued? I thought she got, she got sued uh, by Abramovich, but then they settled. But it's a very um, compelling, brilliantly researched, accessible book. So, but it doesn't reveal where Putin's money is or where his properties are. But you can be sure he's, you know, he's got an arrangement with two or three oligarchs or whoever, and they're managing his money. And the deal is, if they try and screw him, then Putin will go after him. That's Mark Hollingsworth. He's the author of London Grad from Russia with Cash. I'm Miriam Hall. Thanks for listening.